hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. With your host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. You can either Google the McCarty Group, that's M double C A R T Y, or call 661 665 SOLD. That's 661 665 7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you and let them make you their next success story. And a big good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? I am doing excellent. Uh, it's it's starting to warm up, even though we had a little cold streak there for a second, but we've talked about it before. I'm ready to start wearing shorts again. I think it's time. All right. Good I, I for actually, you. Yeah, I saw someone wearing shorts and, and a t-shirt, and it was really early. It was like six in the morning, and I thought, nope, not, not taking it to that level. But as it warms up. Well, I'll, I'll leave that to you. My pasty white legs, you know, they're not quite ready for that yet. Yeah, I might need a shave. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you doing today? How's, how's the weekend going so far? Well, you know, Saturday and Sunday are just additional work days for me. <laughs> <laughs> Realtors never get a true weekend. But, you know, when you love what you do, it's all worth it. So no mm-hmm. worries. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do after the show is a wrap? Got any big plans? Well, you know, my son's basketball season is over. So oh. I'm kind of like, uh, what do you want to do? So I'm still going to try to keep them outdoors. Uh, they set up pickleball by our house. Oh, I don't know if you're seeing fun. them in those neighborhoods now. Uh-huh. They're finally resurf- resurfacing some of those things. So Great. we're going to try to get into that, I think. Awesome. Yeah. So if you want to join us, maybe you and the husband, we'll play some doubles. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do have appointments this oh, afternoon. Oh, okay. We'll have to reschedule something. Yeah, soon, that'll so. be great. I'd love the opportunity to learn how to do that, though. Very cool. So, hey, I see you have a guest on the schedule today. Who are we speaking with and what's the topic? Well, this morning, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Thurston from ASU Commercial. You know, Mark is considered an expert on multifamily housing. And today, I'm going to ask him a ton of questions on the topic. But before we dive into our conversation with Mark, I wanted to give you a little real estate news update. So Adelaide, have you seen those multi-generational style homes that so many builders are now offering? Yeah, I'm seeing that. I've been reading about it a little bit, and I don't know where I'm at with it. It makes me a little bit nervous. Well, it's interesting. (laughs) They're really becoming quite popular. In fact, one in four Americans currently live in a multi-generational household which means that many of us are likely either residing in a home with three or more generations, or Mm. we know someone that is. One in four. Wow. Now, that statistic is surprising. I know. And let me just start with this. I love my parents. 
mm-hmm. but I don't think I'd want to live with them. You know, sorry, mom and dad. I know, I know. Why are so many Americans choosing to, to have these multiple generations under one roof? Well, I know a lot of young adults have chosen this as a temporary living situation as they save up to purchase a home, which is a reminder to those of you who would like to hasten getting their own place. You only need 3.5% for a down payment. 20% is no longer the norm. And yes, mom, dad, grandparents, gift funds are acceptable. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some real benefits to multi-generational living when you think about it. Mm. You know, first of all, I think it really enhances the bond with loved ones. I mean, think about all of the family dinners you can have once again, Mm. right? Mm It also makes it easier to care for loved ones, not just caring for the little ones, but also caring for our aging parents. Um, So it makes sense for those individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Studies also show that it can have a positive impact on physical and mental health, but I don't know about this one because I'm kind of right there with you. Um, For as long as I live, as many years as I get old, I will always be five as far as my dad is concerned. (laughs) Well, you know, Laurie, you ought to. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening. Okay. Mm. And then, of course, being in a multi-generational environment, it also creates opportunities for school or job training. I mean, Think about the past few years when children had to distance learn, and some parents still had to report physically for work. Honestly, it would have been virtually impossible for many parents to still hold down a job without multi-generational living or at least in-town family support. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we would have done if our children had still been in school during this pandemic because we had no family here in town. Yeah. And then, of course, it can improve the household's financial situation. And this one makes um, sense, and it seems to be the most obvious reason. Uh, If you're splitting household costs, obviously it makes it much easier on Mm -hmm. your wallet. Mm -hmm. So I think now is a good time to switch topics and introduce our guest, Mark Thurston, from ASU Commercial. So good morning, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me as a guest today. Oh, we are excited, and I am excited to pick your brain. So help (laughs) us get to know you a little bit better, and tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I've been involved in the the multifamily market for the last 32 years, um, helping investors both buy and sell uh, multifamily properties in in Kern County. Fantastic. Uh, What inspired you to start in real estate, and um, how do you keep yourself motivated to continue? You know, I started um, actually kind of by accident. I was working for a a national corporate company, and they were heading in a different direction than I felt like I wanted to go, and so I was interested in working for myself. And uh, my father, who had briefly been in real estate in the early 70s, introduced me to a broker in Bakersfield, and he offered me a job, and I kind of hit the ground and uh, eventually landed in the multifamily space. Perfect. So as to not confuse multi-generational housing, which I was talking about earlier, with multifamily housing, can you share with us the differences? So my, my understanding of multi-generational housing is going to be where you have uh, different age groups living under one roof, uh, typically in a single family. In mm-hmm. the multifamily, we have 
many different people living in many different units, uh, potentially under the same roof line, but uh, possibly it could be separate units as well. Perfect. And also help us understand the difference between residential rental property and commercial multifamily property. So the main difference there is four units and under, so your duplexes, your triplexes, and your fourplexes, those are considered residential from a financing perspective. Uh-huh. Anything five units and above is considered commercial. So that that's the biggest distinguishing between the two. Okay. And which of those do you specialize in? Or do you do I it sell, all? I sell all of the above. All right. <laughs> so do you think that um, given our current economic climate, uh, that multifamily housing is a good investment? Multifamily housing has been a great investment for a long time. Um, certainly in inflationary periods, people try to gravitate towards um, rental-type properties, whether that be a commercial property or a multifamily property. Mm-hmm. And so given the, the, the current inflationary pressures that we're experiencing, um, a lot of people have gravitated that and continue to gravitate towards that direction. Perfect. So help us um, novices understand what the pros and cons of investing in rental property or multifamily properties are. Well, the, the thing that I like about it is everybody has to have a place to live, but not everybody can afford to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not everybody wants to buy a home. You know, say that they're temporarily living in a location or they're going through a major life change. They might need temporary housing versus, you know, buying a single-family home. And so I like that aspect that everybody needs to have housing. And so I feel like, you know, even in a bad market, there's still a need for housing. And if we look at, you know, the current Californian environment or even the United States environment, obviously there is a shortage of housing. So I think that that's a say. very attractive attribute towards um, investing in multifamily um, as you're providing housing for people versus, you know, those investors who invest in, say, um, a retail building or an office building or an industrial building. Not everybody needs that. That's not as widespread mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, uh, a multifamily or a residential. People always need a place to live. Um, so I think that that's a huge plus. Um, on the downside, you know, if uh, I guess, and you know, unless you're comfortable with this product type, you know, I, I've run across clients that just aren't comfortable dealing with with tenants. Um, so that can certainly be a negative. Um, there is, you know, there is. While I would say there's certainly predictability to the income, um, there's unpredictability to the expenses from time to time, and you can be having a really good year, and then all of a sudden you have a couple air conditioners go bad, and all of a sudden your profitable year turns into a year that's not so profitable. So, so that can be kind of the downside to it. So you do have to have a little bit of a tolerance for risk. Yes, you do. I mean, just like just like any any investment, this is probably one of the less riskier. Mm-hmm. avenues to go down, mm-hmm. but there is definitely a level of risk. And you also have to have some reserves uh, financially in order to you know, address those unexpected items that happen to occur. Fantastic. Well, I think this has been a great introduction for us, Mark, and I think it's a perfect place for us to take a quick break. But before we do that, why don't you tell us how we can reach you? Uh, the best way is either email or by phone. Uh, so email is my last name, Thurston at ASUassociates.com, 
or by phone, it is uh, 661-889-6597. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mark. And stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute after this short break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 a.m., 97.7 FM. Now that's smart. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And Lori, I had a real estate question for you. What if someone is thinking about selling, but they need to make some renovations first? Uh, What is your advice for them? Oh, that's a great question, Adelaide. Um, I would recommend that these sellers give our office a call. We have an exclusive program designed to help them put their property in the best possible condition. We call it M-Block, or the McCarty Line of Convenience. You can also call it a line of comfort, a line of creativity, a line of completion, a line of construction. Just don't call it a loan, because it's not. M-Block allows the sellers to access their money their equity in their home prior to the close of escrow so that necessary repairs to their home can be completed before they list it. This helps our sellers get as high of a sales price as possible for their home. And they don't have to worry about using high interest credit cards or those awful terms for personal loans that so many people have had to rely on in the past to complete repairs to put their home in the best possible marketing condition. Because with MLOC, There is no interest charge. There are no fees. There's no catch to it. Hmm. Best part of all, our staff manages the process, monitors the timelines, and keeps our clients informed during the entire process. Because at the McCarty Group, we're all about creating a seamless transaction. Hmm. So give our office a call to see if you qualify for this exclusive program that's designed to help maximize your selling price. Excellent. Great, innovative way to solve this problem and to help the clients. Now, it sounds like a great option for sellers to have. I think so. I definitely see that. So, Now, if you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Mark Thurston of ASU Commercial. And Mark, before the break, we were talking about investing in multifamily housing. How does someone determine if a particular multifamily housing property will be a good investment? I mean, what factors are at play when making this determination? Well, the number one factor is you've got to look at what the scheduled rent is on a building. 
and then who, whomever you're working with, your expert will guide you in determining whether the expenses are high or low, and then you determine what type of profit the property generates. And um, in today's market, the, the returns are a little bit smaller than they would have been, say, five or six years ago. Uh, but certainly here in Kern County, you should still be able to find a property that's going to have positive cash flow. Fantastic. That was a great question, Natalie. Um, Leads me right to my next question I had for Mark. Um, Do you think that multifamily investing um, is a risky investment? Um, Not compared to the the wide array of spectrum of investments out there. I think multifamily is probably one of the, the more conservative just because there is typically strong demand for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the concept is pretty basic. I mean, you're providing housing to somebody, and uh, it, it's not as complicated as trying to figure out cryptocurrency, I would say. <laughs> Boy, that's uh, one that's still beyond me. I, I just can't get my head wrapped around it yet. <laughs> well, when you do, you can share it with me because I, I have no clue about that. Be happy but, to. <laughs> uh, multifamily investing is pretty straightforward, and you find a wide array of investors out there from people that are, that are novice uh, to people that are extremely sophisticated with it. And uh, so there, there's lots of different options for, you know, depending upon your budget as well as your uh, expertise in it. Perfect. So what advice would you give to someone who has aspirations of investing in multifamily housing but hasn't been able to do so yet? How did they get started? Uh, the, the number one thing I would say is they, they need to find an expert in the market that they're looking in. Um, somebody that's got a track record and somebody that truly understands um, the ins and outs of investing in multifamily properties. Too, too often I see you know, buyers um, get associated with somebody that, that has probably less experience than the buyer actually has, and, and they're relying on that person to give them advice. And, and unfortunately, that person is just not qualified or has the experience necessary to do so. Great. Um, so for those first-time investors, I'm going to assume that they probably need to learn the lingo of uh, the investing industry. Uh, can you help educate us a little bit? Can you explain to us um, about, for example, cap rates and why is that uh, a way to help value multifamily properties? Yeah, so cap rate is is probably, in its, its basic sense, it is – it is a way to determine what type of return a property has uh, based upon the cash flow out of it without giving any consideration to the financing against it. Because you can take 10 different investors and they all make a loan application and you're going to get 10 different loan quotes. Mm-hmm. So by using a cap rate method, um, it is basically telling you what that return would be if you paid all cash. And even though you might not be in a position to pay all cash, at least it gives it makes everything you're comparing apples to apples versus apples to oranges when you start factoring in the financing aspect of a purchase. Perfect. Um, so that that's a great tool. Um, we tend to find that with investors that are usually buying their second or third building. Um, the first-time investors tend to rely on what's called a gross rent multiplier. Uh, which is a factor of the, the number of times the income will divide into the purchase price. And depending upon your location um, and the size of building you're buying, that factor can fluctuate in the market. Um, so, you know, the average 
Um, GRM in Bakersfield last year was 11.21, but you could still find, you know, there were probably some areas of town that that was down in the nines, and there were other areas of town that that would have been 13 or 14. Okay, great. And what about the cap rate? Is there a good cap rate for multifamily properties in Bakersfield, or does that also fluctuate with the location? It it fluctuates depending upon the riskiness of the investment or the desirability of the investment. Uh, But last year, um, the average cap rate in Bakersfield was 5.14. But to give you an idea of that range, so in Bakersfield last year, cap rates ranged from a low of 3.4% to a high of 8.45%. Okay. And for those novices out there, do you want a low or a high cap rate? Well, from a buying perspective, you want as high a cap rate as you can get. Okay. <laughs> so the person that made the 8.45%, they did really good. Uh, okay. Versus the one that bought the 34 maybe not so good. Okay. Um, so, But if you end up being a seller, though, you want just the opposite. So a seller wants the lowest cap rate possible. Um, and they, they would prefer to avoid being the highest. Okay. But couldn't there also be situations, um, particularly given the fact that we've been in this pandemic and we've had um, <clears throat> inability to uh, raise rents, et cetera, um, or you've had limitations, rather, I guess that would be more accurate, on what the rent rental amounts could be raised too, um, that where you might have properties that are under-rented um, that would have low cap rates um, mm-hmm. that might look like a maybe a less desirable purchase for a mm-hmm. buyer, but that actually could be a, a, a good purchase if market rents were being um, collected. Mm-hmm. Am I am I right or not? You're 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 totally spot on, um, and, and that's really where opportunities lie in today's market. Um, you know, find it used to be people would come in and they try to find the value add to where they come in and basically put lipstick on the building and make it more attractive <laughs> and then rent it out. Okay, but most of those deals have been picked over, and so the the description that you just gave that is where the opportunity currently exists in our market. It's coming in and it's finding buildings that have not kept pace with the market rents um, and then raising those rents um, to the maximum allowed under the uh, statewide rent control. Okay. Um, the key on that, though, is you do have to recognize that, you, you know, for example, right now we're limited to 9% increases over a 12-month period. Right. And so when you find those type of opportunities, you have to recognize how long is it going to take you, right, you to know, get, at 9% mm-hmm. per year in order to get that up to a market level. Right. Um, hey, would it, so that, that's important. Mark, would it be safe to say the cap rate is a starting point, though? Because these investments seem like they're going to be long-term, and, and you can adjust your own cap rate via rent increases yes right yeah, okay so, okay so what you're looking at when you're buying you're you're looking at the going in cap rate mm-hmm. you're not necessarily looking at the exit cap rate you know the the example Lori just described you know if that building say for example is going to take three years to get the rents up yes the, in three years that cap rate is going to look a whole lot different than what it does on year one do you think it's a common mistake that investors make would it be they don't raise the rent enough yes 
Okay. <laughs> I, was I can speak from personal experience. We know someone, Lori. <laughs> but but you know what? It, yeah, it's true because because it, you know I've got a couple rentals and I and I I've got a really good tenant, but I'm kind of like mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to. And, and is I mean, there's that fear though too. If you raise it too much, will they move out and then? Repairs. And they will. It repairs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they will. Yeah, well, so. it's, funny, it's funny you ask that. You, you make that statement because right now what we are seeing a trend um, elsewhere in the state of California is we're actually seeing it's a desirable thing to list buildings that are vacant and advertise them as being vacant because that allows the new landlord to come in there and set the rents at a market level and you're mm. not saddled with residents who are paying below market rents because it's so difficult to you know, increase them to the market level or get rid of those residents that right now for the first time in, in my history of, of selling apartments, it's actually a great thing to have a vacant building. Ah, okay. That makes perfect mm-hmm. sense, Mark. I hadn't thought about it that way. See, and that is one more reason why you need an expert <laughs> in yes. the field of multifamily properties. Mm-hmm. Hey, is there, what's the formula for the cap rate real quick? Is there a math? So, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take my net operating income. So basically, my income minus my vacancy minus my expenses, not including your mortgage payment, that gives you your net operating income, and you divide that by a desired return. So, say you desi- divide it by the five point one four percent cap rate that we currently have, and that will give you a value. Okay. Okay. We're going to put that on your on your website, Lori. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, we will. We will put Great. that on okay. our social media. Excellent. You bet. Excellent. Thank you. Um, now, also for a um, investor, um, uh, something else they're going to need to know, I imagine, Mark, is uh, the that there are different classes of properties. So, can you explain to us the differences between? Class A, Class B, Class C, multifamily real estate? Yeah, there, it, 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 it is somewhat subjective. Um, you know, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder, but typically your newer buildings that are probably built within the last, say, five to ten years, maybe in Bakersfield because we don't have that much new construction, we might go as far out as 15 years. Okay. Um, it, those are going to tend to be your more Class A buildings. Um, it also has to do with the amenities that your property might offer, mm-hmm. um, as well as the location. So, you know, for example, let's say you've got a building out, you know, adjacent to the Seven Oaks area, that's probably going to be considered a Class A building versus if you have a building in an older part of Southwest Bakersfield, so that might not be a Class A building any longer. Okay. Um, your Class Bs are going to be slightly better than average, maybe a little bit newer. Okay. Um, your class C's are going to be kind of your average building. Um, you know, there's not going to be anything great about them, but they're not bad. And then you kind of get into your class D properties, which are more of your fixer-uppers that are in, you know, really tough neighborhoods to own um, that require a lot of management effort. Um, those are going to be tend to be your your class D type buildings or your value added buildings, I would say. Okay. Do occupancy factors um, affect property classifications? Um, only to the only to the extent that it would impact your 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 potential income on it and potential rents on it. Okay. Um, but but not as not as much as you would think. Okay. 
Um, now, here's something that I have heard about from um, <clears throat> some of the uh, the younger investors um, that I've run into, and they, they talk about house hacking. Is that a term that you are familiar with? I have not I have not run across that myself. Well, it's something that, that I know you are familiar with the concept, but this okay. was a term I had not heard of. Um, okay. So it is – it's really popular with this younger generation. It's the concept – of buying a duplex, triplex, or a fourplex with an FHA loan at three and a half percent down, living in one unit, and having your tenant's rent cover all or most of your mortgage and your other expenses, so that you know if it's done right, you can drastically increase your available capital for investing each month. Makes sense. I, uh, total, totally makes sense. Great idea. Um, certainly, it's been something I've been advocating throughout my career. I, I just never knew the, the terminology. Yeah, to it. I, well, um, you know, this younger generation has a whole lingo that's completely <laughs> foreign to me. Um, yes. But yes, so expand on that a little bit. Well, I mean, basically, you're 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 taking advantage of, of a great program on the FHA loan uh, to get in there with an owner occupied. You know, more than likely as as a younger person, you're probably going to live in an apartment-type space yourself, you know, whether or not you actually own it. So you might as well be the owner and allow those other residents in your building to help you know, pay your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great way for you to not only save money, but it's also a great way for you to build equity over time. Um, and then at some point, you know, when you've saved enough and you decide you want to go buy a single-family residence, they're going to call Lori, and they're going to say, hey, I now want to buy a single-family residence. And they're going to still keep that apartment uh, building as an investment, as their foundation of their of their first portfolio that they're going to build. Now, yeah. if you go into that property, though, you're looking at, what, 25% down? Yes. If you're a non-owner occupied yeah. investor, 25% versus the FHA. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just seeing that's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge yeah. difference. So, yeah, great way to start out your investment. Yeah, like you said, your investment portfolio. And, um, yeah, this has existed before, but the house hacking term, that's new to me. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, cool. me too. I was like, house hacking? What are you talking about? Do they now, does <laughs> it, do, is there, I mean, are they looking at this? The FHA are going saying, like, oh, okay, as long as you live there, you're good. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Okay, awesome. All right. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, Mark. Um, as you know, inflation is all the buzz lately. Uh, and rightfully so. Um, let's talk again about uh, multifamily real estate being a good hedge against inflation. Share with us your thoughts. Well, I mean, obviously, as inflation goes up, and certainly now that we're seeing the threat of interest rates go going up, um, that's going to force many of the potentially home buyers that were kind of on the on the edge of being able to qualify that they're going to be forced to rent for longer. Mm-hmm. And so they're being forced into the rental market. That's good for a landlord um, because he's going to have greater demand for his units. And as uh, the demand goes up, so goes the rent. And that's certainly what we've been seeing over the last year here in Bakersfield. Now, has inflation affected the development of new multifamily housing? I believe that it has just based on the cost of materials. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, ignore the supply chain issues right now and just look at how expensive wood has become, 
Um, you know, every aspect of building something has gone up. And so, you know, I certainly think that that impacts uh, a developer's analysis when they're trying to decide whether to build or not to build. And from your perspective, do you think that um, Bakersfield um, has anywhere near enough multifamily housing? No, if you look, if you look at our current vacancy rate, you know, we're at like 1.76% citywide vacancy rate. Wow. Um, and that's still exceptionally low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, clearly there is a demand for more units. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the challenge that we see kind of goes right or ties right back into what you just asked as far as the cost of materials. So when it's so expensive to build, then these developers have to charge higher rents. Right. And so what you tend to find is development really focuses on the, the Class A upper-end market. Mm-hmm. And that Class B, Class C, which, you know, takes care of the vast majority of residents in, in Kern County, um, they just can't afford to build those units. And so, so you get these, these really nice luxury buildings built that, you know, kind of take care of the top end of the market. Um, and then, you know, we've seen, we haven't seen as much lately, but they used to build the tax credit buildings that kind of address the low end of the market, but that middle end is just completely underserved because they just can't afford to build. Wow. Any, any hope in sight? Uh, not that I'm aware of. It it would take a, a lot of different factors from, you know, the, the cost coming down, uh, the availability of labor, some of the zoning uh, laws loosened up. It would take um, some of the requirements that, you know, the state mandates for health and safety um, issues to be, you know, reviewed and maybe altered um, in order to make it financially viable to build Class B-type buildings. Okay. Um, and I'm gathering then that you're just not seeing any cooling effect at all in our rental market. I'm not seeing any significant, but I, I will say in the fourth quarter of last year, um, we did go from 1.28% vacancy to 1.7% okay. vacancy. So we did get a little rise there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was told by several landlords that, um, those upper end rents that are, you know, at or above $2,000 a unit, mm-hmm. um, that they are starting to get pushed back. And, and the reason being cited is the residents are saying, you know, with inflation and, you know, impacting our cost of gasoline, our cost of groceries, our utilities, we got to make a change somewhere. And, right. you know, we, we need gas in our cars and we need food on our tables. And the one variable that we can make a change on there is, is our rentals. Okay. And so they're saying, you know what, we're going to consolidate households and either move in with, with roommates mm-hmm. or we're going to move back in with mom and dad. And so mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. saying right now we are starting to see some pushback on those very upper-end rents. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was having a, a discussion yesterday with a really, really large uh, property management firm, and they were telling me that um, the last couple of weeks they're seeing much slower traffic on their unit. Okay. Um, so, so something's changing. I just can't really put my finger on exactly what it is and, and how deep that's going to be. Okay. I just, you know, what, this, what, what comes to my mind too is just thinking about the rent, rental market. If it is cooling off, will rent prices go down? I would think they would 
eventually drop a little bit, but they're not going to drop drastically. Is that safe to say, or who knows? Yeah, I, I think that I think that that's certainly safe to say. Um, I, and I will say that on my fourth quarter survey that I that I conducted, um, I did actually have four buildings that did roll back their rents. And like mm. you just mentioned, I mean, they were moderate rollbacks. I mean, nothing significant, but you know, ten dollars here or twenty dollars there. Um, but they were also you know extremely upper end type properties that okay. you know right. were getting that pushback. Yeah, because as a property manager or owner or investor, what you don't want is an empty place. No, you don't. So, so to to work with a tenant that reaches out and says, "Hey, you know what? I'm having inflation affects us all, right? But right. but if there's some wiggle room on the rent, then it might be something worth looking into." Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I think given the everything that we're experiencing uh, in the world right now, uh, in terms of economic factors and inflation. Um, I, I think there is a little bit of um, economic conservatism going on, and people are reevaluating their prime um, their priorities. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's probably part of what you're you're experiencing, Mark. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I this agree. has been some really useful information yes. for all of us, me included. Um, I've learned a lot from you today. Um, I have a few more questions, uh, but before we get into all of those, I think this is a great place for us to take a short break. Before we do, tell us again how we can reach you. So my best numbers are uh, phone number is 661-889-6597, and the email is thurston at asuassociates.com. Perfect. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all your real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Mark Thurston of ASU Commercial. And Mark, I want you to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you first, and then I got a question for you. Certainly, the best best way to reach me is by phone at 661-889-6597 or email thurston at asuassociates.com. So, hey, my question is this, and I've been on both sides of this as a renter and as a landlord. Is there a number you want you can raise your rent up to? Because I feel like if you go too high, that could trigger some people to be like, you know what? 
I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with it um, with these this this rent increase. We can find a place for cheaper because we know moving is a pain in the rear end experience. <laughs> but I feel like sometimes tenants will be like, you know what, that's too much. You know, this raise. Is there a number or formula for that? Well, I would say it really depends on the, the current market conditions. You know, in a market like we have now where vacancy rate is below 2%, um, you can probably afford to be a little bit more aggressive as a landlord and raise rents. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now in Kern County, based on statewide rent control, up until um, July 31st, you can raise rents a maximum of 9%. And so it is kind of important to stay up on your rents because ultimately when you go to either sell the building or refinance the building, your lender slash buyer, they're going to look at your rents and they're going to base Mm -hmm. the value of your building on where your rents are at. So if you fall behind, um, basically while you've been a nice guy to your residents, um, it's going to end up costing you money in the long run. Oh, okay. So stay on top of, on top of that. Now you mentioned in July, there's going to be a change? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so every year, the state of California updates the cost of living, and they add that to um, the 5% base that you can raise rent. And it was originally supposed to take place in like March or April, but for some reason last year, it got pushed to August 1st. So between August 1st of 2021 and July 31st of 2022, for Kern County, there's the 5% base, um, and then there was 4% cost of living to give us a 9% increase. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Does that stay pretty steady, or that, that does, does that fluctuate? You know, the previous, year, the previous year and a half, it had been 6%, and given the inflationary pressures that we're seeing this year, um, I would anticipate that that actually will go up, although there is a cap to it, and, and off the top of my head, I don't recall what that is. Does Lori, does nine percent sound like a lot to you? No. No, okay. Okay. I was wondering about that. And I'm just kind of figuring out on a on a two thousand dollar rental, that's a that's a little bit of a jump. It is. Yeah. But you have to consider here here's the problem that most individual mom and pop type landlords encounter. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. Um, more more experienced investors will stick with that annual increase but the mom and pops of the world will have that great tenant who's doing a great job making their rental payments on time every month doing a fabulous job three four five years will go by and then they'll look and they'll go gosh i haven't raised rents in five years (laughs) or so and they'll recognize that they're significantly below market rent, and they'll want to raise the rent to market rent, Ooh. and they can't because they can only go 9%, and okay. they're probably substantially below that in terms of market what market rent is on their property. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, you're leaving money on the table. You are, you know, so that so that's another you're, thing. You are because your cost, you over that period of time, your costs have continued to go up. I guarantee mm-hmm. you, your your utilities have gone up, your taxes have gone up, your insurance cost mm-hmm. definitely has gone mm-hmm. up, and you're leaving that money sitting there. So you've got to keep in mind this is a business, and you need to operate uh-huh. it as a business. And I think to Lori's point, one of the problems with the ma and pa investors is 
they don't feel like they have enough information to make uh, an informed decision on raising that rent. Right. And that's where working with an expert in the business that does rent surveys every quarter, you can reach out to that person and say, hey, where should my rents be for my two-bedroom, one-bath unit in central Bakersfield? Mm -hmm. And that person will have that information to be able to share with that client so that they can make an informed decision of whether or not, yeah, the 9% is appropriate or maybe the market is starting to retract and maybe it's only a 3 or 4% increase. Right. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I will point out to you, and this is a really interesting angle here, for people who are residents, though, yes, certainly they don't like paying more rent, but you don't want to give them a false impression of where the market is. And a great mm-hmm. example of this is I sold a building last year in southwest Bakersfield. The tenant was renting a 1,400-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath unit for $725. Ooh. Oh, my. Her nice. rent had not been raised since 1976. <gasps> wow. And so the new owner comes in and goes, well, you can't stay in my 1,400-square-foot house anymore or unit anymore. You've got to go to the market rent. And, yes, he was limited to 9%, but that <laughs> resident had this impression that they could just go out anywhere in southwest Bakersfield and find 1,400 square feet for $725. Wow. And so you're you're not doing the resident any favors by giving them this false impression of what the market is because that right. was not certainly not market. Right. That seven hundred twenty five dollars wouldn't even cover a mortgage payment. Oh. No, they couldn't even in no, Southwest even. where they were located. That would barely rent a one bedroom. I was going to say yeah. they would be doing good to get a one bedroom for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good info. Thank you, Mark. So, Mark, before the break, we were talking about the current state of the rental market. Now, I've noticed that working from home has really changed the residential real estate market. Um, Buyers are now wanting a home office, uh, a backyard with lots of amenities, and a host of other things. Has this shift from working in an office to working remotely impacted multifamily real estate in any way? I believe that it has, and, and you look at, um, <clears throat> for example, the the property that was built recently out there, Stockdale Highway and Heath Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, that property is highly amenitized and very much set up for somebody to co- to work for home. Right. Um, and you look at, you know, that building had leased up ninety de- ninety days before they could even occupy the building. The property was fully leased up. Right, and I think that's an you know that's a uh, attributed to the fact that it was well designed and it was well designed with that resident who can work from home and who wants those amenities that would typically be associated with what you see in the residential side, you know, a home office, you know, nice backyard, but it's just the equivalent of of having an apartment. Perfect. Okay. Um, one other question I had a uh, I had for you: Have you seen any um, trends towards smaller complexes versus larger complexes? I haven't recently, just because of the cost of construction. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like those that have been built here in the last couple of years and those that are currently in the pipeline, um, those are all trending towards much much larger communities. Right, that's what I would have um, anticipated. 
Yeah, and so I, I, you know, while I would love to see more fourplexes built, I just don't know that that's going to be on the drawing board anytime soon. Right. So now I'm going to ask you to, you know, put on your magic hat and pull out your crystal ball. Um, what is it that you forecast uh, for the the 2022 multifamily market, both locally and nationally, if you can? Well, I will share with you that nationally, all of the talking heads are saying that the multifamily space has another two to three years worth of runway before the market changes. Okay. Locally, though, I, I think that there's some there's something going on, and, and it does cause me pause for concern because if we look at, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the vacancy rate mm-hmm. rose up in the fourth quarter. We're getting pushed back on the higher end rents, but on on the the resale side of of multifamily, what was interesting last year is values went up until we hit July fifteenth. From July fifteenth through December thirty first, the values in the multifamily sector stayed flat, and that's despite having strong demand and little inventory to sell. And so, for those economic majors out there, that's going to be really puzzling because usually when you have strong demand. Low supply, values go up. So why is it that the multifamily world is in Bakersfield flat? Okay. So looking forward to this year, though, then you add in what I term the million-dollar question is what happens when they raise interest rates? Well, that was going to be my next question. You're reading my mind. Great. (laughs) So my my guesstimate or, or, or forecast on this is I think this first increase, which obviously we're in the midst of right now, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of buyers extremely motivated to buy something. Mm-hmm. And they're going to pay very, very aggressive prices in order to get in the game before rates go up too much higher. At the same time, you're going to see sellers who are trying to time the market go, well, yeah, I'm a seller now, but I want a sky-high dream world price. Right. And some of them may get it, and some of them may not. As we move to the second increase, I think that you're going to find buyers are going to go, whoa, you know what, it's costing me a whole lot more money now to borrow, and I'm not going to be willing to pay those sky-high dream prices. And so I think you're going to see the buyers start to slow down their buying activity. Mm -hmm. Then as we get to the third increase and beyond, um, I think that the buyers are going to become very set in their ways. And, yeah, if it's a good deal, they'll buy it, but they're not going to chase after stuff that's grossly overpriced. And I think the third increase and beyond, it will finally start to resonate with the sellers that, hey, if you do want to sell, you are going to have to be more realistic in your pricing expectations. Um, and that ultimately this will lead us to a more balanced market. Now, whether that is 18 months from now or 24 months from now, or as the experts are saying, 36 months from now for the national multifamily, I think we're heading into a direction to where we will see a more balanced market versus the, the recent seller's market that we've had. Fantastic. Okay, so I have one last question, Mark. Recently, you spoke at the Bakersfield Association of Realtors meeting about a scarcity versus abundance mindset and how this impacts real estate. 
Now, everyone in my office knows I am big on this kind of stuff. And for those of us listening today who weren't able to attend your talk at the board, I really think this is awesome information for everyone. Can you break down that scarcity versus abundance concept for us? Well, I think the, the, the basis of it is, you know, you can go through life and just think, I'm going to get mine and forget everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go through life and go, you know what, I'm willing to share because I know if I, if I help people and I share with people, ultimately good things are going to happen to me as well. Um, and, and, it, and it just, it magically works out that way. And, and I, I can't explain the, the psychology behind it, but I just know in my professional career, you know, I have, I have made an effort to share information with people, and, and time and time again, it comes back around. It might take four or five years, but somebody will reach out and go, you know what, you helped me four or five years ago, and I really appreciated that, and so I'm here to help you. And it's just it's become a way of, of conducting my business, and um, I, I don't ever intend to change that. I, I want to approach it with an abundance mindset versus scarcity. I love that about you. And, you know, it has always been my philosophy. I kind of liken it to a pie, right? For me, <clears throat> as I increase and grow my business um, and help more people, it's not that I'm making the pie. Um, I'm not taking a bigger piece of the pie. I'm just making the pie bigger mm-hmm. so that everybody has more to to gather from mm-hmm. out there. I agree. Um, so, Excellent. Adelaide, I know we're getting close to time. Um, I know you always have a lot of questions. <laughs> have we answered them all for you? This is awesome. This is great information because I'm thinking there's people that are probably listening like, I should get into real estate investing. Absolutely. And, and I think this is awesome. Um, and yes, I have a few questions. Um, I'm going to try to squeeze them in and make them real quick. But for, for Mark and Lori, the Zillow rent estimate, how accurate is that? I'll defer to <laughs> Mark on that. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I'm not as, as bullish on, on these national surveys on these rents. Um, what I find time and time again, um, when other media outlets reach out to me for comment on that, is that they, these companies must take a very, very small slice of the market, and then they extrapolate it to everybody else. Mm. And I think you really need to get with somebody that, that does a local survey and that is on top of it. Because um, you know I survey about 112 different apartment communities every uh. quarter. Okay. And my information is directly from either the owner or the property manager. And so I feel that, you know, that's about as accurate as you can get. And it's certainly applicable to the overall market. Okay. Because I'm wondering about that too. A lot of, you know, I guess people out there that aren't in real estate think, oh, I'm going to go to one of these websites, figure uh-huh. out where I should be, or even if I'm a potential renter, what I should be paying. Um, but but you don't know. So is this is this information these these local surveys available to the public? You know, it, it, basically anybody that calls me, I'm happy to share the information with them. Going back oh. to Lori being abundant, um, I, you know, I'm, nice. I I want informed public, um, and that's why I you know I send it out to the news media for them to publish every quarter to say, hey, this is what's going on because I think you know definitely an informed investor is a great investor. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate hearing that too, because because you know we go to this estimate or thinking like ah, oh, but I like that better. Um, another question, and Lori, we've talked about this on the show before. Airbnb, it's a it's a it's a way you know to to make a little bit more money from your property, but it's not a long term thing like a roommate. But if you got into a multi unit property like a triplex or whatever and you wanted to do Airbnb, are you seeing that more often, or is there a trend there? Um, I've seen it um, in certain areas of, of Bakersfield, specifically like the downtown area. Mm, okay. Um, okay. I, I've seen it in that in that quadrant. I haven't seen it as much you know, in some of the larger areas, such as like southwest or northwest. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the, as, as an investor, there are... You know, there are some challenges there. I, I understand that insurance is more expensive uh-huh. when you do an Airbnb. Um, and, and obviously having the staff available or you being available time-wise um, in order to clean and turn over and maintain the units on a more regular basis, you know, that's certainly something people need to consider before they go down that road. Okay. Plus, there is not the same stability of monthly income. Mm. Mm, okay. That you have from a long term tenant. Okay. Great point. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how much of a tourist vacation spot Bakersfield is. Either, <laughs> yeah. So I wonder about that too. But it's come up before and, and you do see people, you know, trying to make a couple extra bucks on a spare room or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, my last question for you, Mark um, Are you an investor in the metaverse? Uh, I'm going to say no since I don't know really what that is. I've heard the term. I've heard the term, but I, I'm not familiar with what it is. It's and Lori. Lori talked about this in depth a few episodes ago, but it's a virtual world where you can spend real money on virtual property. So yes, again, that, that beyond be me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for that because you could probably use your cryptocurrency in there. There so. you go. Yeah, Mark. When we get the crypto thing figured out, we'll. Well, then we'll tackle the metaverse, okay? <laughs> Excellent. Hey, well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much, Mark, for taking time out of your day today to be with us this morning. Um, very welcome. I, this has been a very enlightening conversation, and you've provided us with a wealth of knowledge on multifamily housing. And I don't know about you, Adelaide, but I really appreciate it. Uh, yes, definitely. For me, it's really easy to see why you're considered an expert in your field. Um, you. Tell us, Mark, one last time how we can get in touch with you and people. Be sure you've got a pen and paper ready so you can get in touch with them. Go ahead, Mark. So, so the number is 661-889-6597 or Thurston at ASUassociates.com. Now, before we say goodbye until next week, I want to thank all of you for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. Hopefully, we've given you some knowledge about multifamily housing and the state of our investment economy while providing a little more clarity into the world of real estate. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Saturday at 11 a.m. If by chance you missed an episode of the show or know someone who would enjoy this information and is otherwise occupied at this time, no worries. We've got the perfect solution. You can catch the Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity. And if that doesn't work, we have another option. You can now hear this show and any previous show wherever you get your podcast. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review to listen to your heart's content.
This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a wonderful rest of the day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week.